Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And on the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. Megan, I had an incredible situation yesterday. I went into a Starbucks, I ordered a black coffee, and the cashier called me racist. Oh, you totally just stole what? that. You stole that. What is going on at Starbucks? <laughs> you know, you know race relations. I, yeah, and you know, I did a search of the internet and I thought about it, and of course, someone's name was all over this issue. And his he's name, the best. that's right, he's the best. And his name is Phil Haid, and he is CEO at Public in Canada. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Now, doing? wait a minute. I, I may have bit. I may have made a uh, misspelling there. Is it public or is it Publix? It is public. It's not like the grocery store. Yeah, no, you I got know, it right. I, was trying, I had to think about that. So I was like, wow, I got to think about that. But I knew when it came to uh, to race relations and Starbucks, you were the man we had to talk to. And I, I, like I want to tell people, too, Phil wrote an outstanding article for Fast Company. I was reading this article, Phil. You, you would really like this, right? I'm reading this article. I had read it twice already yesterday. And then I go back and I finally see your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Phil wrote this? You said, how did this, how did this schmo write this article? That's right. That's right. But it was really, it was a really good article. We're going to put it in the show notes so people can read it. Uh, but what we're hoping to talk about, Phil, is one, let's go through this. Let's break this down a little bit about the Race Together campaign, how it took off, and where it might have faulted in spots. And of course, you're very sympathetic of Starbucks. And I think your two other people on the line today are sympathetic, too, because as cause marketers, we see what Starbucks is trying to do. But we also have to be, you know, looking at how other people feel about this. But, right. you know, give us the rundown on the campaign. In terms of what happened? And yeah, in terms of what happened and how it unfolded. Yeah, so, I mean, for I think... You know, most listeners will uh, you know, will know the campaign, but essentially, uh, yeah, as everyone knows, Starbucks, in partnership with USA Today, came out and said we are going to tackle race relations in America uh, under this guise of race together, and um, basically wanted to spark a conversation around race and have a dialogue around what it means. Um, and it came out of um, it came out of a series of town halls that Starbucks senior executives did with. Uh, their employees, they call partners in a bunch of cities uh, across the U.S. And in those, and it was post Ferguson, and it was really a conversation about the broader issue of race relations. And you know, as you hear Howard Schultz, the CEO, talk about this issue, he said, didn't feel like they could turn a blind eye to walk away from this issue. They had these great conversations with staff and felt like they needed to voice their concern and and voice their. Uh, actually weigh into into the debate. And so they did. And the, what they did, for everyone who probably knows already, is um, they came out with a whole piece in USA Today. But the thing that has stirred a lot of the controversy is they uh, asked their baristas to write the hashtag race together on cups and mm-hmm. said, if you're, if you're open to it, you don't have to, of course, you know, go and start a conversation. And that sparked a huge, huge outcry from many people because they said, 
what role does the barista have to do this? I'm in line in the morning. I'm grumpy, you know, grumpy enough as it is. And now you're asking me to talk about race at eight in the morning as I'm trying to get my you know, cup of coffee. And so it's, mm-hmm. as we know through social, it's created this huge, huge firestorm. Well, you know, Phil, it's interesting because I wanted to add here, too, that I was looking at some of the uh, different tweets about this campaign. And, you know, you had one person saying on Twitter, not sure what Starbucks was thinking. I don't have time to explain 400 years of oppression to you and still make my train. Yeah. Uh, You know, then a a barista chimed in and said, being a barista is hot enough. Having to talk uh, race together with a woman in Lululemon pants while pouring pumpkin spice is just cruel. Yeah. And, And you know, and you know, Phil, this woman is talking about Megan. Yeah. Okay. We know that, right? And I just want right. to say you don't that. know that. I'm, I'm not on also, video today. You don't know what I'm wearing. Well, you know, one of the things though too is they make men's Lululemons. So I just think that this is a problem too. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, on. this just exploded on social media. It exploded, and and you know, just to kind of take you through, if you want, the, sort of the argument that I made. So mm-hmm. I, you know, you you see this happen. Um, and I have to say, you know, when I first heard about it and my initial reaction was a little bit cynical, I have to, I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the first thing I went and did is I went and watched the video that uh, CEO Howard Schultz uh, made to talk to their employees. Right? There's 200,000 of them, just employees, about why they're doing this. And I watched that video and I heard about why they did it. So as I mentioned, that, that they started this conversation around race and it came out of Ferguson and so on. And when you hear him describing it, um, you know, what shifted for me was that it came out of a very sincere place and that mm-hmm. what they were doing was in response to what they heard from their employees in a whole bunch of different, con- uh, sorry, a bunch of cities across the U.S. Um, and so it really turned my view. And I thought, you know, good on uh, Howard Schultz for doing this. It, it started to shift my thinking that, you know, why shouldn't a company like Starbucks engage in a conversation about race? And mm-hmm. if you think about, and the argument that I actually made uh, in, the, in the Fast Company article was there's really three components to why I think this initiative is great. The first was that they were being really responsive. They could have left it, right? They could have done these town hall meetings and then leave it at that. But they said they, had a, uh, they felt they had an obligation to take it out to, to the public. And I, I applaud them for that. I think from a leadership perspective, you know, my experience and Joe and Megan, you guys probably have the exact same, which is it's you don't see a lot of CEOs of, of large corporations and multinational corporations really putting their necks out on on very challenging, sticky, um, difficult social issues. For this mm-hmm. reason. Uh, that's yeah. right. And yeah. he did it. And he knew, you know, uh, Howard Schultz knew that it was going to be challenging, knew it was going to be problematic. And he still did it. And to mm-hmm. me, that's real leadership. So I, give, I applaud him for that second reason. And mm-hmm. then the third reason from a positive standpoint was look at the reach that Starbucks has. Yep. So 4,700 stores in the U.S. You're talking about millions of customers coming in through on a day, day-to-day basis, right? You're talking about 200,000 employees. And then when you add on the USA Today reach, which is close to 2 million, I mean, that, that's a pretty big audience to engage in a conversation. So from a reach perspective, that the fact that they're willing to do this and deploy their stores uh, and the media as an opportunity, I think, you know, good, good on them. So mm-hmm. when I looked at the sincerity behind it and why they were doing it, uh, I really shifted my opinion. And when you started to see the knee-jerk reaction on, star, on uh, social media and people just sort of jumping on this bandwagon, and some of the, you know, as you read, Joe, some of the tweets are very, very creative. Yeah. But when I sort of <laughs> see that, I thought, you know, it's important to write the, the, the opposing view. And so 
Um, and so that's why I sort of said, look, I think this is why I think it's a really great initiative. Now, there were problems with it, and we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Mm, yep. But And there's a lot of naysayers for why they think it's a bad campaign, and let's talk about that. But those are the three main reasons from a really positive standpoint. I really applaud them, and I think we need to see more of these types of um, actions and these types of companies coming out and saying, these are important issues that we need to address. And there's no reason in this day and age why a company can't be weighing in on social issues and thinking about how they create and generate real dialogue and real social impact. And that merger of, like we like to talk about profit and purpose, that's the future. And I think the, yeah. I think the real leaders out there get that. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. the artist Paul Pullman of Unilever and Richard Branson of Virgin. And there's the whole cadre of, of entrepreneurs coming up. You know, it's the Blake at um, Tom's and it's yep. the guys, Dave Galboa and at mm-hmm. Warby Parker. I mean, there's, there's a ton of people who realize that it's not the domain of companies now to only make profit, right? Mm-hmm. Profit and purpose go together. And I, I think this is another example of it, which is why I really commend them for doing it. But I, and then those are all great points. But here's, here's the rub, Phil and Joe. Mm-hmm. Your first impression of this campaign was kind of like, you know, it was that sniff test. And you took the time to go dig and figure out what was behind it. But nobody else did. And that's the challenge is that... With a, with a touchy issue like race, it has to be something that you're not going to get that knee-jerk reaction or that that sincerity is going to come through in a, in a more authentic way. Do you know what I mean? Like it's got to be easier for people to engage and not just immediately go, ew. True, but if the litmus test is the simplicity of people's knee-jerk reaction to things, especially with uh, challenging social issues, then I think that's the false test on it. Like, I actually think people have to go deeper on this. If you're going to criticize Starbucks for weighing into the race relations debate, then you owe it to yourself to not just read a few tweets and one article. You actually have to ask yourself, why is this company doing it, right? What are their motivations? Why do they believe this was something to tackle? And if you're going to have, if you're going to explore that, then you need to go and hear the reasons for it. Mm -hmm. So I totally (laughs) hear you, but I think it's, when you're dealing, we're not dealing with sort of, you know, bubblegum issues. We're dealing with right. real, real substantive issues that, that touch millions and millions and millions of people. I think mm-hmm. it, people have to be good citizens and go a little bit deeper. Well, you know, I think what's interesting, too, about something like this is the fact that Starbucks can even bring up this issue in its stores reflects how much time and effort they've put into social good issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, I, you, you know, and that's why every company is afraid of something like this because they're like, well, I just can't stop talking about race. And it's like, well, you probably can't because like Starbucks, you need to stop with other types of issues that, you know, consumers feel all right about. Like, for example, um, Starbucks had a big relationship with Product Red and fighting AIDS in Africa and stuff yep. like that. That was at, at, at one time, that was a great place for them to be. And now they feel like they can progress and and delve into more challenging issues. And, you know, my message to a lot of companies is like, you got to crawl before you can walk. And what we're seeing is Starbucks is running. And, uh, you know, and this and, you know, the the message, I think, for so many companies is you got to get started somewhere. You do. And one of the one of the arguments, the great segue into some of the criticisms of it. I mean, Megan's already raised one of them. You know, one of the criticism was around the sort of self-serving cause marketing ploy, that this is just an opportunistic way for Starbucks to make a buck. I think I think it's fair to say that that, that's actually not. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, it's not the case. 
you know, if they if they wanted to do something, they'd be you know giving away teddy bears to cancer victims or something right. like that. It's not. You know, it's if they want the people, no, but if they want to, you know, if they just wanted to benefit from cause or something like that, why? No. Why would they delve into an issue like this? No. That's right. Another argument was, well, it's not their role. Why would a Starbucks? There's no alignment. There's no brand alignment between the issue of race relations and what Starbucks stands for. And again, I challenge that because I say, well, if you think about Starbucks, so forget about being in line. Actually, you know, the local coffee shop. I mean, lots of people. Sure, lots of people go in for a meeting, or lots of people go in to put on their headphones and their work on their laptops. But it's a place for conversation and dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you go to a coffee shop and. You think about 4,700 stores. I mean, the, the notion that you wouldn't talk about interesting, substantive issues in a Starbucks is silly. So I actually think there is, is brand alignment there. And I think people saying this is just self-serving cause marketing, I think, is a really is a false, false argument. So then we get into the more substantive ones, right? Like, well, well let me ask of, you. Oh, sorry. Let ahead. me ask yeah. you something, Phil. At that point, though, is about the conversation that people can have in Starbucks and in dealing with kind of like weighty issues and stuff like that. Do you think, though, that the expectation they had that their baristas would actually engage in this was wrong-sided? That that was not the way to go about it? Yes, absolutely. The the you know, and in the article, I make that that point in that argument that the biggest flaw I would say of this campaign and of this initiative is the fact that they actually I think there's two major flaws one was that they said that they put all the onus on the barista to serve up this conversation and I think it's I think it was uh, misguided in their thinking because Mm -hmm. you know when especially in the morning you're in line as I said earlier you're grumpy you're tired right the thought that you're going to have a conversation around race is just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I do think there, the tactical deployment of this, that was a real, that was a real mistake. But mm-hmm. that's not a reason to throw it out. It's a reason to say, okay, that, and they, I think they realized that because they stopped doing now the <laughs> writing race, you know, race together on the, on the coffee cup. So that, that was a mistake, but fine, they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. But I do, so I do think putting the onus there. However, you know, using the, the Starbucks stores to have, dialogue where you invite experts on race relations and community members Mm. and come to the stores and host a whole series of evenings or afternoon discussions over a series of months or years, I actually think would be a great thing to do and a more appropriate Mm -hmm. thing to do. So yeah, the barista part was was a major, I think, mistake that they've corrected. The other, I think, piece of that um, was around just how they went out in advance. So I think doing the sort of the teaser campaign, I mean, they were, it was very good creative, but mm-hmm. sort of putting it out there without all of the context for this, right, I think was a mistake. I don't think you should have had baristas riding race together on the cups mm-hmm. and having the sort of teaser ads in the newspapers before you sort of came out with the full campaign, explain why you're doing it, and give people the full context because it's too charged of an issue. And without mm-hmm. the context, you open yourself up for criticism, and that's what we saw. But don't you? Th- I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see whether they continue on w- with this campaign or with this effort. Because now that this has been everywhere, it mm-hmm. might actually be a good thing because now everybody knows about it. So if they do pivot and do something, you know, more along the lines of what you were talking about, Phil, then at least there's already that awareness there. So maybe it's that's you know maybe it's not the worst know, thing in the world. It's, it's funny. Carol Cohn said the same thing in a speech I was following on Twitter yesterday. She said, "Well, they got people talking." Yep. Yeah. Right? I'm I mean, not saying that to be glib. Was, I just I honestly think you know, that it might and it was somewhat negative, but I mean they got they got people talking about the issue. Right. 
They did. And look, I think the, I think what I've heard and what you've seen through social and I've had some interesting um, tweets and emails is that they are absolutely committed. I know there's some good sources. They're absolutely committed to the race together, to the whole conversation dialogue around race. So the biggest thing, the biggest mistake they can make would be to walk away from it. Yeah. And, and I don't think they're doing that, which is, again, kudos to the leadership and the responsiveness to being serious about this issue. Mm-hmm. But it is an opportunity now that people are talking to then, I think, figure out the right mechanisms to have a really meaningful dialogue and discussion. And it's mm-hmm. clear that, you know, the, the burst, you know, being in line is not is not the right place to do it. But what was so interesting is that people, you know, they, they jumped on that and, and sort of forgot about, well, why is Starbucks doing this right. mm-hmm. and give them give them, you know, give them props for what they did do. They just mm-hmm. jumped on the negative. And, I, and it's unfortunate because, again, it's, it's part of what do you, what's the expectation of companies today? And I think the three of us all get that, you know, companies are huge players in social impact and, so, and social purpose domain. Mm-hmm. And so you want more of this, not less of it. The tactics, you know, the tactics were not as good as they could have been. And, and that's what needs to be fixed. Hmm. I, I think it's a, you know it's challenging too. Anytime a company that employs a lot of minimum wage workers, uh, you know, to to have anything that's associated with race or economics or something like that, that people don't come up and say, "Hey, why are you doing this? This seems like you're being a hypocrite." Because yeah. you know, could you see like Walmart or Target or any of these other places doing something like that? Because I think the things, same things, would come up. Yeah, hundred percent. And so that's actually. A really good point around one of the other criticisms, which was the lack of diversity amongst the senior leadership of the company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the argument that I, I made in the article about that was there's no question that there isn't the, the level of diversity, that, they, that there's a weakness in terms of their senior leadership in terms of diversity. Right. And it's something that most major companies in the U.S. have to address. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm not defending them for it. But, you know, as I said, as I wrote about, like, don't let perfection be the enemy of good. And I think that if, if every company has to be so completely buttoned down before they can do anything to yeah. try to create some social impact in the world, right. no company will do anything. No, they won't do anything. Absolutely. They won't do anything. Right. So, yeah. so, you know, again, this argument that they, have a, you know, they don't have enough diversity at the senior leadership ranks, so therefore they're hypocrites and they have no right doing this. No, they're again, the ones who should be talking about it then. <laughs> Well, I think so, right? I mean, this is where I think we just we hold up the standard that just becomes the the death of trying to get people to act. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that the the critical elements are sincerity and authenticity and transparency. Mm-hmm. And if when those things are there, I think as long as people those things sorry when those things are there, then we should be applauding people who go for it and stick their necks out. Uh, because they're doing it for the right reasons. And that doesn't mean they're going to get it all right. But we should be able to be more nuanced in our perspective and our openness to it rather than just criticizing because, you know, they're not where they should be on diversity. You know, they've got the people got upset about the fact that the pictures had white hands and not black hands or Hispanic Mm -hmm. hands or, you know, like it's this kind of thing that has become so petty that we lose sight of the big picture. And I think that's unfortunate. Mm hmm. Yep. Now, um, Megan, if we have a couple of minutes, I wanted to ask Phil how he thought the Starbucks campaign compared with uh, the Uber uh, partnership with uh, the UN that has come under fire because of Uber's practices, not only here in the States, but around the world. What's different, Phil, between Starbucks and Uber? 
So I think the main difference uh, is that Uber, you know, the UN Women's Foundation sort of moving, um, moving away from the Uber partnership. So I think Uber made a very, I think they've been actually doing some really interesting and creative cause marketing programs. I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, look, they're a startup, but they're a, what, a 40, you know, 40 billion, like they're capitalized. <laughs> yeah, that's right. the yeah. Yeah, right. um, so, you know, they're a sort of a, a special kind of startup, but they are doing, they have money and they're doing all kinds of things. And I think they're doing, you know, I don't know how sincere they are or not, because I haven't had any conversations or seen enough to, to be exposed to it. But I think the major difference is that the criticism with Uber is tied to some of their practices, mm-hmm. right? And so they go into markets. So again, we could have a whole debate about whether the, the way in which they're going into a market and the fact that they're just, you know, they're sort of su- supplanting the, the cab drivers, right, who are unionized mm-hmm. or so on. Like there's a whole debate about that. But then there's also the harassment charges that have been up with some of the Uber drivers. So there are things that are sort of staining the Uber reputation that I think they have to deal with. Right. And, and so I think then the major difference is They've got some real issues to, to address. And part of the criticism of Uber is that they're now trying to be quite proactive on the social side to sort of um, offset. Wash, yeah. offset and wash their hands from the negative piece. Mm-hmm. And look, some people are criticizing Starbucks for the same, but I don't think you can look at Starbucks and say that they have racial discrimination practices, right? right? The, right. the diversity in the senior leadership right. might not be where we want it to be. So, so I do think there's a big, big the- difference there. Is the message, Phil, is that for companies is before you do a campaign campaign like this, regardless of what it involves, you need to clean up your own house before you try to clean up the country and the world? Well, I think, yes, except that, you know, back to our conversation a second ago, um, if you're, you know, it's the question is how buttoned down do you have to be, sorry, buttoned up do you have to be about it? Right. Right. So, right. And, how perf- and how perfect how perfect do you need right. to be? Yeah, that's right. right. So I yeah. think to me, the critical elements are. Um, it's what I said earlier, it's the sincerity and the transparency. If you really believe in an issue and you're willing to play the long card on that issue um, and you also look at it in the house and say, can we stand up credibly and people will understand A, why we're doing it and that this isn't just some PR gimmick, right? Mm -hmm. Then I think, then I think you need to, you go for it. And so I think, you know, I think what the UN women looked at is said, "Mm, maybe this is not an organization, a company we want to be too closely affiliated with. Uh, because they weren't comfortable with some of their practices. I don't think people are saying that about Starbucks. Mm-hmm. But I do think a big key takeaway is, number one, companies need to be weighing in more around these issues than not. And so don't, don't blink because of the Starbucks experience. I actually think there's a really positive silver lining there. So we need more of it. But two, you need to make sure that you know, it is aligned with what you're trying to do, that you are you've identified why you're doing it and what the mm. impact you want to create in the world is. Right. And three, make sure that from an executional standpoint, you're going to roll it out in a way that is actually very inviting to your customers and to your consumers rather than, you know, doing things that you think will instantaneously turn them off. Well, mm. and the, the other major difference between the two is that one has a major nonprofit partner and the other one doesn't. I mean, right. race, race Together is an issue focused something they could have partnered with somebody, right. um, but they, but mm-hmm. they chose not to. Um, and mm-hmm. Uber tried to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no. Yeah. That's well, good. Phil, this has been so, so fascinating. We know you have to you run, know, but we, Phil is a smart guy for a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, I'm really impressed. 
I feel you know? like a patsy. I feel like you set me up because you're going to get the, the Trontonian <laughs> to uh, talk about race relations in America. Uh, an American to do it, it's just going to add, you know. Well, all I have a hand from my Canadian friends is, oh, come to Can- Canada where everyone gets along. And it's, oh, yeah, we, uh, we don't have any race issues in Canada. No. Everyone, Squeaky everyone clean. kumbaya and we hold hands <laughs> and we leave our doors open and it's all good. <laughs> Well, we will definitely put Phil's Fast Company, a link to his post in the show notes. But Phil, if people want to find out more about you, how might they do that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, go check out our website. We, you know, we do all kinds of fun things across North America, both in Canada and the U.S., publicinc.com. And I'd uh, love for you to check us out on, on Twitter. So it's at Public Inc. and at Phil Hayde. So that would be great. And they'll also yeah. be at the Cause Marketing Forum. We will. This May. So you can see them in and, uh, person there. Exactly. And uh, one of the things worth mentioning, too, is um, uh, Public also has a great email newsletter. I know when there are any yes. breaking issues or things that uh, Paul or Phil are writing about, uh, I always get them in my email box, and I really appreciate that. So I uh, always try to encourage people to sign up for email these days. Social media is so, so much noise out there. Um, email Thank carries you. the day in a lot of instances in terms of seeing things. So. Well, guys, thanks so much. It's been great. I oh, love chatting with both of you, and you guys are uh, incredible leaders in the field. So it's an honor and a privilege. Thanks, Phil. Joe, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me um, at Joe Waters on Twitter. They can find me at SelfishGiving.com. Also encourage you to uh, check out the new cause marketing fundraiser matrix I created for your viewing pleasure. So if you're Very looking good. for the that, yeah, be looking for the yep. best fundraiser, cost marketing fundraiser. What do you want to focus on? And, uh, of course, people can find me on Pinterest, too, at Pinterest.com, front slash Joe Waters. What about you, Megan? Where can people find you? I'm also on Twitter, at Megan Strand, and I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum, at TweetCMF. And also, the show notes for this episode can be found on SelfishGiving.com, as well as CauseUpdate.com. And, of course, you can find Cause Talk Radio on iTunes. We do recommend you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And on behalf of Phil and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Cause Talk Radio. I'll 